This is Building on the Solid Rock with Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel, Solid Rock. Let every family find faith in the Father's love. This is where it begins. This is our cry, this is our song, Jesus the way. We find our life in Him. I know that pride can get in any of us. We don't like to take. I don't like to take charity. I don't like to take. And we feel like we have something to offer God. The truth is we don't. In this relationship, it works best when he's the provider and we are the dependent and we acknowledge our need of him. It takes humility. We have nothing for him, but we depend upon him. And there's to be no shame in this role because that's the way he likes it. He is the provider, and He loves to provide. Scripture says it's better to give than to receive. He is love. Have you ever needed help and someone offered, but you decided to say no, even though you probably could have used their help? Well, your pride may have gotten in the way. In our society, pride can be a big struggle for many people, causing a disconnection from the Lord. In today's teaching, Pastor Troy is going to remind you of God's gentle love and provision for His people, the church. God knows pride can be a difficult thing, and He wants to take that burden from your shoulders. All you have to do is let Him. Now, here's Pastor Troy in the book of John, chapter 14, with today's edition of Building on the Solid Rock. We are in John, chapter 14, verses 15 through 18. You know, one thing you may not realize about your personal Christian walk is that your victories take a team. A team effort. Now, when I say team effort, obviously, God plus any number of people is the majority. Um, But when we break God down, we know that he's one God in three roles, in three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, like a team. And then there's you. That doesn't add much, but you're there. (laughs) Your life, um, well, you're on the team of, of your life, obviously. In case you haven't figured it out, our four-man team we're going to talk about is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and you. Now, those who find this life most difficult to, to walk in and gain victory in are, are usually those who have a diva perspective. Uh, what I mean is... It's all about you. Uh, It centers around you. That's that diva perspective. When we do this, then we think everything hinges on us, everything weighs on us, everything is about us, everything is for us or because of us, and that's too much to carry around. It's not. Um, There was a joke. Uh, How many divas does it take to screw in a light bulb or to change a light bulb? I said, just one. One, let the diva hold the light bulb while the rest of the world revolves around them. (laughs) Well, if you want to be victorious in this walk with Christ and 
then you need to make sure that you do your part on the team, that you only do your part on the team. Because there's a team involved other than you. The first hint that we get that this is clearly going to be a team effort, we read in Genesis chapter 1, when God said in Genesis 1.26, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. A team. This is obviously a reference to the Trinity. God speaking amongst himself. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And notice that when God speaks in that context, he never says things like, well, let's take a vote, Trinity. Because there's no such thing. They are one God in three persons in total agreement. There's never a discussion about in the, in the sense that they're going to vote. It's just bringing up facts. Because there's one God in three persons, all in full agreement. So, since they're all in full agreement... Um, the, the weak person on, let's say, Team Troy. The weak person on Team Troy is me. I'm the weakness of the team. Not anyone else. I'm weaker than the rest of the team. I'm slower than the rest of the team. I'm not always on the same page with the rest of the team. And I'm not always in agreement with the rest of the team. I have my own opinions about certain things, and I'm the one who's wrong. So, as Jesus is now integrating this concept, if, you, if you're not careful, you might miss it, but he's integrating this concept of the Trinity into his discussion with his disciples, this team concept. We want to see what we can learn about each team member, because um, I, I believe that if we understand the roles better, we may be able to see more victories in our own life for our team. So let's read verse 15. Let's read our text. Jesus speaking, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. This is like, wow, what in the world is all of this? It's very simple once we check it out. We kind of look at it through maybe a team lens here, how this all works together. So let's look at our first team member, the father, who his role is the provider. His, his position, the provider. In verse 16, notice that Jesus says, I will pray the father, he will give, he will give you, Another helper, speaking of the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, God the Father, the first person of the Trinity, is always seen as the source, as the sovereign one, the provider. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he told them, say, our Father, seek after him. One of the first names of God found in Scripture in Genesis 22 is Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. He's seen as the one who gives all things and even provides the ability to work and produce. He gives all of that. He gives, he's given credit as the source of salvation. Read, if we read John 3.16, For God, okay, God, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now who can give a son? Only a father. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So as 
provider, he provided his only begotten son in salvation. He provides the Holy Spirit, as we read here, at Jesus' request, the son's request. And he's willing to provide all that we need to do our part in his plan. He's willing to give everything that we need. Romans 8.32 says this, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So he gives us the ability, the wisdom, the joy, salvation, everything else we need. You think maybe my joy is tied to circumstances. Ask the Lord. Say, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I don't have joy anymore. I'm not happy. And he may deal with you about that, but he can restore unto you anything because he's the provider of all things. This is why Jesus taught the disciples to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, give us our daily bread. Who? Our Father, who art in heaven. It's so that Jesus wants us to understand He's he's a model, and he's modeled for us when he was here. And he wants us to learn to relate to our heavenly Father, the first person of the Trinity. Don't forget about him. Don't just lump them all together, stir it up, one big pot. One God, three persons. Don't forget about your heavenly Father. Who do we pray to? I knew a man who, he, he knew his Bible, so he claimed And he did. He could tell you verse, scripture, quote, everything. And he was asked by a teenager who had a serious question, said, you know, I I, I get it, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, but who do we pray to? I mean, they're all God. Who do we pray to? And he's like, I don't know. It's a good question. Well, if he would have read his Bible, Jesus taught us how to pray. And Jesus said, our Father, who art in heaven. According to Jesus, we need to go to the Father. Remember it this way. Look at it this way. Now, obviously, we go to the Father, but in whose name? There you go. He's not absent from the equation, but in Jesus' name. All right, but look at it this way. When you need something, like a child, you go to your Father. He is the source of provision. Jesus consistently taught his disciples to relate to the Father, taught them about the Father, um, and that the Father is their provider. And he wants to give us a proper perspective of the Father, and he wants the Father to have a rightful place in our life. Not some general place, general God place, but our Father. See, They always believed, there there are many beliefs in certain gods, but never a father, an intimate and loving and personal provider, father. And he wants us to learn to associate with our father. One God in three persons, and we need the heavenly father. There's a kid who ran away from home, Uh, didn't want to live by the rules, just ran away from home few years into this, he found a train station where he could consistently beg passerbyers, asking for some spare change. And one day, this man walks by uh, the, the, the young kid who had, you know, grown a few years. And he notices the guy who walks by as he cries out, sir, can you spare some change? It's his father. 
And recognizing him, he goes, Father, do you recognize me? Father, could you just spare some change? Anything. The father ran up to him and grabbed him and said, My son, I love you. You're asking for spare change. All that I have is yours. Just come with me and all that I have is yours. See, that's what it's like for our father. He is the provider. He has everything. Sin kept us from him, but he's provided a way. He says, just come. Just believe in my son and all that I have is yours. God the Father is the provider, the giver. You know what that makes our relationship to him? The recipient, the receiver. And I know that pride can get in any of us. And we don't like to take. I don't like to take charity. I don't like to take. And we feel like we have something to offer God. The truth is we don't. In this relationship, it works best when he's the provider and we are the dependent and we acknowledge our need of him. It takes humility. We have nothing for him, but we depend upon him. And there's to be no shame in this role because that's the way he likes it. He is the provider and he loves to provide. Scripture says it's better to give than to receive. He is love. And so it is his joy to provide for those who are his. In fact, Have you received the greatest provision that he's given, the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, as personal Lord and Savior? And if not, maybe this is the day you finally learn what it means to be loved, to know who he is. Pastor Troy will return soon with the second part of today's message, so be sure to stay tuned. If you'd like to listen to more teachings from Building on the Solid Rock, we invite you to visit our website, buildingonthesolidrock.com. Pastor Troy has been teaching verse by verse through the Bible, and you can listen online to our archive of these messages. You can also download each teaching to listen to later, or share with your friends and family. You can even subscribe to Building on the Solid Rock podcast through iTunes. That way, you'll never miss a teaching, and you'll be notified as soon as we make these messages available. Find a link to subscribe when you visit buildingonthesolidrock.com. Now, here's Pastor Troy with the continuation of today's message. Let's turn our attention now to the second uh, teammate. Verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. All right, we're going to talk about that helper in a moment. Let's talk about the second person of the, the Godhead, the Son, and his role, his position on the team as intercessor. Intercessor. If the Father could be called the provider, and that's his position, then the son would be called the intercessor. That's his position. The word Jesus uses here for pray is not like he would tell us to pray. Like, you pray to the Father. You pray. That's, that's you know, uh, the role of inferior to superior. You pray, you call out to him. When he talks about I'll pray, it's not like, well, I hope he'll give it to me. It's more like a, a board member who's going to talk and say, let's do this, and has the authority to get it done. We're going to do this. A good translation could say, I will prompt the Father. And he will give you another helper. So this highlights Jesus' intercessory work on behalf of his followers. 
You know, Jesus has had an intercessory ministry for over 2,000 years now. A lot of intercession. It simply means that Jesus represents you to the Father. That's all it means. You know, when Jesus came down, he represented the Father to us. He kept saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What would the Father do? Well, watch me. The Father this, the Father that. I'm going back to the Father. Know the Father by knowing me. So he represented the Father to us. We could see, we could touch, we could know God. But now the Son is up there. He's called our high priest. He became one of us so that he could represent us. And now he represents us before the Father. And he's serving in an intercessory ministry. We catch a glimpse of his intercessory work in John chapter 17 when he prays for his disciples. John 17, 9 says this. Jesus praying, speaking. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. In John 17, 11, Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. And his prayer continued, John 17, 20 and 21. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. We were prayed for by Jesus. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. He's praying for unity. Now we all just kind of come to the same uh, set of beliefs unless those beliefs are in him. Truth. Can you dance in church? We don't think you can dance in church. What about this and what about that? None of that stuff. But the truths about who Christ is and the message of the gospel going out. Not whether I wore jeans today or these or a tie or no tie. Not that kind of agreement. There's variety there in the body. But about Christ and the gospel and what he came for and who he is. That these things could be communicated effectively and with unity. Uh, a single message. You know, we speak a lot about the finished work of Christ. The finished work of Christ on the cross. And we should. It's very important. It's key. It's pivotal. But there's also an unfinished work of Christ actively going on today for those who are His. It's going on right now. It's the intercessory work of Christ on our behalf to the Father. Romans 8.34 says, Who is He who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. This is makes is an active ongoing, not and made intercession for us. He prayed once for you. No, he makes. This is active, part of his ministry. Now, this is where the Catholic Church has gone way off course in their ability to develop and grow because I've talked to some in, in higher up in the Catholic church and I've asked the question, why do you go through Mary? Why do you go through certain saints? And he said, they say that, well, Jesus is busy. And so we go through these different ones who they, they had to divide up the work, you know, and so you go through them and they go and they take it and, and they go to Jesus for us. Well, that defeats everything the Bible has said about what Jesus' ministry is. 
an unavailable intercessor is not very good. He is the intercessor. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And he didn't say, I'll get so busy, we're going to have secretaries for me. He said, you come only by me. You cannot come by anyone else as good or even as godly as they were. And so think about it. They're trying to get to the intercessor. We have the intercessor. We're going to the intercessor to get to the Father. They're going the wrong direction. They're stopping at the wrong place. They're going through the wrong way. And you can't grow. There's no power in that. There's no relationship in that. It's diverted and it's diluted. So if you were ever wondering what Jesus has been up to in heaven all these years, you know, is he just kind of up there sitting, waiting to return? Is he just going like, when is that last Gentile going to finally say yes so I can return? No, he's, well, one, we know he's preparing a place, but he's also been actively talking to the Father about you interceding. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, we read this, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. First John gives us more insight into Jesus' intercessory ministry on, on our behalf. First John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now, that word advocate is very important. It's really the term used for a lawyer. We have a defense attorney in heaven. Why do we need a defense attorney in heaven? Well, the same reason anyone needs a defense attorney anywhere. There's a prosecutor. So there's an accuser. Who is that? Who do you think that is? Well, let me read. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Uh, don't, don't guess. Revelation 12, 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of the brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. Busy is Satan. Accusing, accusing, accusing. And that'll be that final time, that final uh, years of the tribulation when Satan no longer... Did you know he has access right now? To accuse you before the Lord? He has access. I mean, Job. So he's got access, but there's coming a time when he's cast down and he goes, okay, he's serious. Time's limited and he's going to go on a rampage. This is one time, guys, that Satan doesn't have to lie to make a good case. To accuse you, we don't deserve heaven. In fact, anything we have done, we've done to disqualify us from heaven. We don't deserve it. And he's got enough stuff that we've done for real that the author of lies doesn't even have to author any lies on our behalf. So as the accusations come out against us, it's, it's kind of like this. We have a, a defense attorney up there who says, goes to, the, goes to the, the judge, the father, and he leans in at that time when the accused accusations are being made, and he says, Father, uh, don't worry about this one. He's covered by the blood. 
He's mine. He believes in me. I have a relationship with him. And it's that easy. The Father is never thinking ill of you. Christ is our intermediator. He's interceding. Pastor Troy has been teaching through the Gospel of John here on Building on the Solid Rock. Different than other gospel books, John introduces his book by going further back than when Jesus was born as a baby. He delved into the very nature of God and solidified throughout his writing that Jesus was the Son of God. This backdrop gives you a different insight into Jesus as a man as he lived here on earth. It's no wonder that the book of John includes so many miracles, because it's evidence that only God could do such things. If you're curious to hear more of the teachings from this book, visit our website at buildingonthesolidrock.com. You can listen online or download the message to share with others. If you've been encouraged by today's message, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send us an email through our website, buildingonthesolidrock.com. That's all we have time for today. Join Pastor Troy next time as he continues in the book of John on Building on the Solid Rock. Let the light of Christ shine as we grow in Him. Come have your way in us. Come